just suppose God searched through heaven and couldn't find one willing to be the supreme sacrifice that was needed that would buy eternal life for you and me. Had it not been for a place called Mount Calvary, had it not been for the old rugged cross, had it not been for a man called Jesus, then forever my soul would be I'm so glad he was willing to drink his bitter cup. Although he prayed, Father, let it pass from me. And I'm so glad he didn't call heaven's angels. From these hands, hold the nails that torment me. Had it not been for a place called Mount Calvary, had it not been for the old rugged cross, had it not been for a man called Jesus, then forever my soul would be lost. Then forever my soul would be lost. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Our souls are not lost. Isn't that a blessing? <clears throat> All right. If you would this evening, turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 26. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 26. And uh, we are going to uh, look this evening, uh, you can go ahead and put that up whenever you've got it ready there, Brother Andy. We're going to look at all, it's the subject of digging for gold. Now, if you're one of my sons, this means a totally different thing than what I'm going to talk about tonight, <clears throat> but uh, digging for gold. And we're going to start this evening in Exodus chapter 26, and we're going to move kind of quickly. We're going to practice something first. And then we're going to get to the practical aspect of it. And so this is by no means necessarily uh, a clinic on the only way to study the Word of God. But we do need to study the Word of God. And it's a question that's often asked. How do I study the Word of God? How can I get something from the Word of God? And so just want to talk about that briefly this evening. We're going to start in Exodus chapter 26, verse 7. Uh, as you see here, let me see if I can get this on. All right. And we've got it up there for your help. All the instructions are given here in Exodus chapter 26 in reference to the tabernacle. And we're about, well, a little bit into the halfway point of that. It says in verse number 7, And thou shalt make curtains of goat's hair, goat's hair to be a covering upon the tabernacle. Eleven curtains shalt thou make. The length of one curtain shall be thirty cubits, and the breadth of one curtain four cubits. And eleven curtains shall be all of one measure. And thou shalt couple five curtains by themselves, and six curtains by themselves, 
and shalt double the sixth curtain in the forefront of the tabernacle. And thou shalt make fifty loops on the edge of one curtain that is outmost in the coupling, and fifty loops in the edge of the curtain which coupleth the second. And thou shalt make fifty tacks of brass, and put the tacks into the loops, and, the couple, and couple the tent together that it may be one. And the remnant that remaineth of the curtains of the tent shall uh, of the tent, the half curtain that remaineth shall hang over the backside of the tabernacle, and a cubit on one side, and a cubit on the other side of that which remaineth in the length of the curtains of the tent, it shall hang over the sides of the tabernacle on this side and on that side to cover it. You look at a passage like this and you say, What in the world? First of all, we, we see all these cubits and measurements and they can't even spell tax right. <laughs> no, I mean, we, we know that it's the perfect word of God and we know that there's important detail in this. And we know that the tabernacle is an amazing study. If you study out the tabernacle, man, it is, it is one of the most exciting things to study in the word of God. But it doesn't always appear that way. And there are so many passages of scripture where we're looking at it and we're saying, what in the world am I looking at? And that's because we need to be better students of the Word of God. It's not because there's something so deeply hidden that we can't pull it out. It might just be that we're not digging for gold the way that we ought to be. When you think about digging for gold, obviously you think about some of the great gold rushes, maybe the Klondikes or California. You think about these places where people gave up everything. You know, Klondikes uh, up there, you know, the, the Canadian government wouldn't even let Americans through Canada to get there without a year's supply. There were so many people going up and dying. They wouldn't even let them into, the, into Canada without a year's supply of food and rations and everything they needed because there were so many people who said, I'm going, I am going to go dig for gold. And they were willing to give up everything, give up their lives, their fortunes, uh, any prosperity or comf uh, uh, sense of comf uh, comfort they had in this life. They would give it all up. I mean, this is where the 49ers come from. These guys are just, man, we're going to go no matter what. I mean, if I sat a bucket of uh, dirt in the middle of this room and said 100% sure, without a doubt, there is a gold nugget in that bucket, what would, what would stop you from getting to that gold? There's a one-pound bar of gold in that bucket. Would a dirty fingernail hold you back? Would, would the, the effort of digging into that soil keep you from it? No, I think all of us would be right in there, probably fighting over it. All right? You're not getting it, Brother Don. I'm getting it. And the Word of God is much like this. We, we should be seeking after the truth that's in it. We should be willing to do the digging. We should be willing to do the dirty work, as it were. And so we take a passage like this and we say, what in the world? And I, I just want to encourage you tonight uh, that we can be better students of the Word of God. And so uh, this is how I might jump into a passage like this. We say, what does this mean? Well, the whole thing is about these curtains of goats, goat's hair. And so what I would do first is I would take this passage here and I would take that phrase and I would look at goat's hair and I would say, man, I got to do a search on that. And if I search out goat's hair, or goat, in the Bible, you can barely see it there, but it occurs 35 times in 32 verses. How hard was that? That took me 15 seconds to type in to the Bible program. And as I began to read down this list here, I come just a few verses down, and I find in Leviticus chapter 9, verse 15, and he brought the people's offering and took the goat, which was the sin offering for the people, and slew it, and offered it for sin 
as the first. And so we see right off the bat, what is the goat tie? How does that tie in with the tabernacle? Well, the first thing we find out right off the bat is that the goat is the sin offering. When somebody had sin that needed to be atoned for, they would take that goat to the temple and it would be slaughtered. And so this temple is uh, supposed to be covered with goat's fur. And they're going to take all these skins and they're going to join them together as we've seen here. And they're going to be a covering for the temple. And so I've got goat's hair and I found out here that in Leviticus chapter 9 verse 15 that I'm, I'm finding out that this goat is in reference to the sin offering. This brings to memory some things as I start to think about offering. And I already know where it's going because I've been in church. And I, I can see the direction this is heading because I know that these things in the tabernacle are foreshadowing. And so my mind begins to run with verses that I've already memorized and things that my parents forced me to do. I memorized Ephesians uh, chapter 5 when I was just a kid. Be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. And so I know I've started with goats and found out that they're the offering that was used for sin. And, and now I know from just a Bible verse that came to mind as I was studying even, that Jesus Christ, he's the offering for you and me. He's the one that became my offering. And so I start to see a picture unfolding here. Whereas on the onset I saw tacks and gold rings and, and fur and drape it over and eleven and six and five and cubits and hang it off the back and hang it off the side. I start to see a better picture unfolding in the word of God. And so I take these things that I know and I do a search on offering. And all of a sudden I see these verses, these passages, and there's pretty common thread Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14 how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God man praise the Lord for that that Jesus Christ offered himself up we heard that even just recently that he put himself onto that cross offered himself up and man my bible study that was all about goats fur is starting to excite me a little bit because I'm starting to see what Christ has done for me and he offered himself without spot to God. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And I move to Hebrews chapter 10 verse 10 and it says, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. In Hebrews 10 14, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Man, so I start to see this offering. I know in, this, in Bible times they had to bring this sin offering back over and over and over and over. That goat had to be killed. Hey, there was a reason they could sew all those goats together and make a curtain to cover up the tabernacle. Because it had to be done over and over and over again. But I'm starting to see that, man, it's, been, it's happened at once and it's for everyone. For by one offering he hath perfected forever. It's a done deal one time what Jesus Christ did. You know, and then I start to notice something else here. Man, all of these verses that are dealing with Christ being the sacrifice are all in Hebrews. And so now I say, man, i got to read more than just these verses that I've been looking at. And so I go back and I start to read in Hebrews chapter 9. It was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in the heavens should be purified with these. Man, there is going to be something better. The pattern that used to be the temple, it's about to be made perfect. It was just a foreshadowing, but something that is exactly what we need is about to come. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these, for Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, 
but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Man, he's made atonement for us. He is the real deal, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father. He's been our sacrifice. Verse 25, nor yet that he should offer himself often. Man, he didn't have to do this over and over again as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. If, if Christ was going to be the type of sacrifice like goats, he would have had to have been sacrificing, coming to earth, being crucified on the cross, being killed and risen from the dead over and over and over again. But it says here, for them must often have he suffered since the foundation of the earth. He, if he was that kind of sacrifice, he'd have had to been doing this since the beginning of time. But that's not who he is as our sacrifice. That's been done away with. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. And so I start to see these principles that are pulled out and this little phrase that's highlighted for you here. For then, for, then, uh, for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Man, Jesus Christ sacrificed himself. And I start to meditate on this and I'm starting to get a picture here. I had these curtains of goats that are covering a tabernacle and these goats pictured for us the offering. It was the sin offering and it was what covered the people at that time. But now we see Jesus, that he's put himself, he put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Oh man, I started with goat's hair. And now I have Jesus Christ on a cross. That he put himself there. And that there's nothing else keeping him there. Nails did not hold Jesus Christ to the cross. That's not what kept him there. It was your and my sin that kept him on that cross. That's what compelled him. That's what held him there. That's what kept him from calling 10,000 angels. Because he knew he had to shed this blood. He knew that it had to become a covering for us. Because the goats just wouldn't do forever. The goats were weak. The goat hair was going to deteriorate. That sun was going to destroy it. It was going to dry up and become brittle. And they would have to replace it again. But now I see that Jesus Christ, he put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Why did Jesus do this? He did it because of my sin. Not just the sin of the world, but he did it because of my sin. This brings to mind 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so then my mind begins to picture. This is, I'm, I'm taking you, this is how I would do a Bible study. This is how often I end up studying. A lot of it in my imagination. <laughs> and I, you know, can you see it vaguely? You're starting to see that Jesus Christ made him to be sin. And I start to picture that agony that Jesus went through. And even as you see, 
just maybe faintly in your mind, that bloody mass hanging on the cross. Right? You start to see the anguish that he went through. Knowing that when he was in the garden, he didn't shed great drops of blood because he knew he was going to die. He didn't cry, as it were, great drops of blood because he knew he was going to suffer, because his beard was going to be ripped from his face. I know this from teaching because I've been in church and praise the Lord, I was raised in church and I've been in a church that's taught the Bible and and I I, I have these things that have been stored away in my mind and, and I can begin to meditate on this truth here. I started with goat's hair and curtains that are hung on a tabernacle, but now I'm able to sit here and I'm able to meditate as I think about Jesus Christ hanging on that cross. Compelled to stay there for his love for me. Not constrained by a nail. And knowing that he went to that cross in great agony. Not because of the pain. Not because of the plucked beard or the crown of thorns. Not because of the robe that would be dried up to the blood on the scabs of his back. Not because he would become so disfigured that he was unrecognizable as a man. That was not the agony that he was worried about. It was the agony of, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The agony of the cross was his father. But you know what? He didn't, in that moment, cry out to his father. I read this in a book today, and oh man, it just struck me. It hit me so hard. Why didn't Jesus cry out for his father? Isn't that what a son would do in pain? He would cry out for his father. He would cry out for someone to help, but that's not what Jesus did. He cried out to his God. Why? Because in that moment, Jesus Christ, God in flesh, had never known anything else in his life except oneness with God. He had never known what it was like to be sin. He had never known what it was like to be separated from God. But in that moment, as he allowed himself to be hung on that cross, and as he even considered what this was going to be like, as he cried those, dro- those tears, as it were, great drops of blood, as he considered what it was going to be like, in that moment, he finally experienced the turning of his father's back on him. But it was more than his father, it was God. Who he was as God, was, it was as though it was being ripped apart from him. Now, he never at any moment became any less God. I want to be very clear in that. But who he was... The back of God was turned on him. And what anguish he felt inside of him. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And that cry comes out from the cross. My God, my God. Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani. My God, my God. But he did this so that He could be a covering for us. He was wounded for our transgressions. This is, I don't know why it sticks in my mind, but every time I quote this verse, I hear pastor quoting it. (laughs) You know, sometimes you quote stuff in your own mind, but I always hear pastor's voice. He, He quotes this passage a lot, and it's a very powerful passage. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And so Jesus Christ went to the cross and he shed his blood for you and for me. And so we started out with this idea, the curtains, the goat's hair. It covered the tabernacle. There's so much to study there. There was a structure that went up first and there was linen that went on first. And these things picture different things. But then the goat's hair. And the goat's hair curtains were a picture of a covering that was a substitution for sin. 
it protected the people from their own sin problem. But in this brief little study, we have learned today that because of Jesus Christ, we are blessed, whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. Man, our sin is covered too. Just like that tabernacle was covered with those curtains of goat's hair. Just like that structure was a constant reminder to every person walking into the, the, the entrance of that tabernacle that their sins were too covered by a goat. We have something we look to. Jesus Christ, our substitution. And he covers our sin permanently. He imputes not to us. He doesn't lay upon us our iniquity. He laid that upon his son on the cross. We look at a truth like this and we started out with goat's hair. And really, a study like this does not take long. But it takes some digging. It doesn't happen just because we have read our Bibles. We have to study. The Bible contains gold. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding. If thou search, seekest for her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasure. Man, the law, the commandments of the Lord, they are hid treasure. And if you go back to, to verse number one there, you see that. And I know in... We're speaking about wisdom, but there is no greater source of wisdom than right here. And we've got to be willing, we've got to be ready to dig into God's Word. We have a lot of Bible readers. And oftentimes we'll call ourselves Bible believers. But too often we don't even know what it says. We know what the words are, but we don't know the meaning of it. And it's hard to apply it to our lives that way. And I just want to encourage, I know I'm talking to a Wednesday night crowd, I know I'm talking to people who are so incredibly faithful to the house of God, but I want to challenge you in your daily Bible reading tonight. I want to challenge you, and, and by no means am I some kind of example in this way, or an expert, I should say. I've got so far to go myself, and I'm challenged by even some of these principles tonight. So I just want to bring out just a couple quick things here. First of all, Study daily. When it comes to the word of God and looking for gold from the word of God, can I encourage you to study daily? These were more noble. Talking about the Bereans. They were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily. They searched the scriptures daily. Man, enough cannot be said about daily time in God's word. And I want to challenge you this evening that it's more than just checking off that I read my passages for today or that I'm up with my Bible reading schedule. That's a supplemental thing. It's something to help our church to grow. But there's got to be study. Study to show yourself approved. It's got to be more than just reading. And oftentimes we may feel, even say to ourselves, I cannot spare the time. It is the only time of your day that has actually been preserved. It's the only time of your day that's lasting. Every other part of your day, as far as the, the way that this life is structured, so much of it is just a consumable. It comes and it goes. 
But your time in God, you can't afford not to have it. There is nothing more important than your time with God every day. And so can I challenge you today? Study the word of God daily. Set a period of time every day and stick to that period of time. Maybe it's 15 minutes, and I don't care, and I really want to encourage you. 15 minutes, it should be more, 30 minutes, maybe it's an hour, maybe it's a couple. But set that period of time and stick with it. It should never change until it increases. But set that period of time and don't let it go. Don't let it fall back. Hey, I, I was talking to somebody this week and they, they were talking about preparing messages. And, and I've, I've known this for years, even as I just sporadically, as pastor goes away or um, things come up where I'll prepare messages more consistently. But you know what I know to be true? The more that I do it, the easier it is. The more I prepare lessons and messages, the easier it is to do it. Because Bible study is like any other muscle in your body. Unexercised, it goes to atrophy. Exercised, it gets stronger. And you may say, oh, I can never do a word search like that, or I can never study like that, or I couldn't connect the dots like that. You can. You just haven't worked it out. You haven't applied yourself to it. And so even if it's for 15 minutes a day, you do that consistently. You know what we tend to do? Every other day. Twice a week. And we say, why am I not seeing the difference? It doesn't work that way. It's better to be consistent with 15 minutes every day than to do Bible reading for 45 minutes every three. I'm telling you right now, it has got to be consistency. It has got to be daily. It's got to be on the schedule and you've got to stick with it. And you've got to work out that spiritual muscle. And that's what we do oftentimes. We fall behind even in our Bible reading schedule. It's like, oh, I'll catch up this day. I'll catch up over here. I'll catch up over here. And we end up reading for four hours one day. But that didn't help the five days that just passed. It's got to be daily exercise. Oh, but I caught up. I'm on schedule. No, that's not how it works. Seek daily. And that's what happened with the Bereans here. They searched the scriptures daily. And that's what made them more noble. Because they weren't just taking it in. They were in the word of God pulling it out. It's not when you feel like it. It's not at your leisure. Consistency is the key. Study your Bible daily. Secondly, can I encourage you to give it your best time? Give it your best time. I don't know what your Bible reading schedule is, but maybe it's at night, you know, the kids go to bed. I sit down with my Bible. You know what happens, Mom? If that was you, maybe that's your schedule. You're exhausted. You, you don't have the mind. You don't have the alertness. Dad, is it you? It's like, oh, I do it right after dinner every night. That's the, when you're tired and when you're full, the worst times to study the Bible, I'm telling you right now. From experience, you will fall asleep every time. And you will never get anywhere. You can't do it. Make it the best time of your day. Make it the best time. And, and as far as it is time set aside, it is time free of distraction, it is time free of other cares, it's consistent, you have set the time, the amount, you're going to stick with it, and it is the best time of your day. There are so many principles in the word of God for giving him the first fruits. But when Jesus began to teach people about, or I'm sorry, um, when David was talking about um, there's so many examples. You go through all of the word of God. The psalmist talked about it often. But you see there, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and I will look up. Oftentimes the morning is the best time. And there is 
So much biblical principle for seeking the Lord. Even when it referring to a child saying, seek me early. And I think that that principle can be applied also to an adult who says, I'm going to seek you early in the morning. I'm going to make you the first part of my day. And you say, well, I, I don't have time with the kids and everything. Get up earlier. Get up earlier. Go to bed earlier, whatever it takes. But make sure that you have given him the best time of your day. Not when you're tired, not when you're full, not when there's many distractions. Give him the best. If you want to get something from your Bible reading, if you want to search for it, if you want to get that gold out of it, then I encourage you, give it your best shot. Don't give him seconds. Don't give it when you're tired. Give him the best. The best you have to give. Far too often he gets the second best. Let's give him our best. Third thing tonight, look for Jesus. No matter where you are at in the Bible, try to find him. He is the central character of the Bible. He is the word of God. We know who he is. But find him. We just found him in goat's hair curtains. Right? Didn't we? It's who we ended up with. Goat's hair curtains, we ended up with Jesus. And that is everywhere. In lineages, in city names, in heritages, in family, in tradition, in practices like we saw in the tabernacle. He's everywhere. He's all over. And you may, I tell you what, it's amazing what will happen. When Jesus Christ began to teach uh, people on earth about uh, the word of God, he says, and Jesus, beginning at Moses and all the prophets. Is that the easiest place to start expounding about yourself to people? When you're Jesus? Do you start with Moses and the prophets? No, but that's where he started because he can be found everywhere. From beginning to end, he's there. And so when you're studying your Bible, try to find Jesus. He expounded unto them the scriptures and the things concerning himself. Hey, you see me here? You see me here? You see me here? You see me here? And now I'm right here in front of you. And so find him everywhere that you begin to look through the word of God. This will bring life to the most boring passages of scripture. And there are some boring passages of scripture. But it'll breed a new life into it. It'll keep Christ the center of his book. You know what's going to happen, though, that's even greater than that? Things that were once insignificant to you will have great beauty and meaning. That's why the tabernacle, to me, is one of those exciting things. And even probably for you, if your memory holds up, the next time you read it and you see goat hair curtains, you're going to think, man, Jesus Christ, he's my covering. What he did on the cross, his shed blood is my covering. And it'll hold great beauty. Whereas before it was just a hairy curtain. Memorize scripture. As I do, and as I move through that study, there were passages of scripture that came to mind. And it filled in blanks where I maybe didn't have anywhere to go from there. But because scripture had been memorized, I was able to take it. There's so many benefits of scripture. Absolutely, you can look at it. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Right? We know that it keeps us from sin. We know Jesus used the word of God to fight off temptation. Get thee behind me, Satan. There's so many uses for it. But beyond that, it helps you to connect. I saw this the other day. I was listening, actually, to um, a podcast. And the guy brought this up in the podcast. 
And then I went to go find what he was talking about. Obviously, you can't hear it, uh, see it in the audio. And he was referencing this chart. And that is, every verse of the Bible is the black lines at the bottom. And all of those lights, trails, are the cross-references. How every verse connects. There's 63,779 cross-references in the Bible. Where the Bible references itself or connects to another verse. That's astounding. And you look at something like that, you say, man, it's so connected. That is amazing. How, how is it so connected? Well, I promise you, you know what's going to help you with that? Memorizing the word of God. Because you're going to be here, and then something, the Lord's going to bring it up from another place. Yeah, there's lots of tools to help you with that, but memorizing the word of God is going to be so useful in your life. Not only that, but it's going to equip you to meditate on God's word all throughout the day. If you've got it hidden in your heart, then you can keep coming back to what you started with this morning. Is that not where we find good success? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For, that, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Because it was hidden. Finally this evening, can I encourage you to use your spare moments to study? Jeremiah chapter 15 verse 16 says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. I don't have my cell phone on me, but there's rarely a time I don't. And you know what? We are becoming, and, I, and I'm convicted about this, we are becoming more and more addicted. And I was reading a research the other day that talks about even the coloring and the light of your screen and the way that ads are designed with specific coloring and layout. It gives you a hit of dopamine when you unlock your screen. When the notification pops up, it produces a little bit of chemical that produces joy inside of you. And so every time that screen, why do you think people are constantly for no reason? Because subconsciously, they're looking for a little bit of joy. Looking for a little bit of pleasure. And so it's a pull out and a click and a turn on. No reason in particular, except I want a little bit of joy in my life. We're addicted to the little screen. Jeremiah said, thy words were found and I did eat them. It fulfilled my joy. It satiated me. I saw them there and I had to have it. I think this is as close as you get to being addicted to the word of God. He was saying, man, I saw it there and and I had to ingest, I had to take it. I, I had to make it a part of me. I wanted it. I desired it. Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. You say, man, the word of God, it was the joy and rejoicing of my heart. And when you think about your Bible time, when you think about your study of God's word, does it, does it fall into this category, the joy and rejoicing of your heart? I mean, be honest here. Just in your own mind. Is it the joy and rejoicing of your heart? Is it drudgery? Is it, I know I got to do this. I need it. I know it will help, but I I just got to get to it. 
this is where this thought comes from. Use the spare moments of your day. Let's shift gears a little bit in our lives instead of trying to find joy from a screen. Let's learn to find joy from God's word. Let's use spare moments that we have in the day. Most of the messages that I write, honestly, come from spare moments of the day and night. When I wake up with a thought and I put it down in my notepad on my phone and I can come back to that later on. I guess I'm getting both joys that way. <laughs> Rig the system. <laughs> Use your phone to take notes. All right. But uh, no, the, the point here, and I hope it's not missed, is use those spare moments. Instead of the, the pick it up and scroll for three minutes and the, and the uh, pick it up and flip through a game and the pick it up and look at a picture, get into the habit of having the word of God. And it would have to start with your day starting with the word of God so you had some kind of thought to build on. But have that thought written down somewhere so as you go throughout your day, you have something to go back to. And then as you're going throughout your day, those spare moments are going to start to connect together. There's a story told, a preacher once told of a man who was, uh, ran a, like a junk shop, a junk store. And you know, things come in, they're so dirty and he cleans it off. But he owned the store and when things got intermittently slow, he, would, he had a Bible sitting on a shelf. And this preacher said, I've never met a finer Christian. I've never met a man who knew his Bible better than this junk store clerk. This was R.A. Torrey who was telling this story. He said, I've never met a man who knew his Bible better. He said, when I went in, I saw that Bible. The Bible was black from that man just working and then picking it up and reading it, working, picking it up and reading it. He said, but consequently, I have to believe that that man's heart was white as snow. There's so much truth in that. That man was just constantly pulling at the word of God and picking out a little truth to meditate on and going right back to it all throughout the day. And it just ingrained itself in this man. It changed him from the inside out. So, so much that this preacher who is prolific writer, tremendous knowledge of the word of God, said, I've never met a man who knew his Bible better than him. I think that we could all do a little bit better job in our study of the word of God. And it doesn't matter where we're at or what position you hold. I think we could do better and we could connect more dots and we could dig a little deeper for the gold. And so I just want to encourage you tonight. Let's dig for gold. Get into a habit. Make sure that it's something you're doing daily. Make sure it's the best time where you are focused and the Lord has all of your energy, mind, will, and emotions. Search for Jesus in every passage that you look through and find him there. Memorize. And come back to these truths all throughout your day. And you're going to find that things start to connect. And you know what happens when the Bible starts connecting? I'm telling you. I'm telling you from my own experience. It becomes exciting. Man, you look at it and it's just, you'll be thinking about a thought and something will come to mind. And even as you meditate on it throughout the day and it just starts, the little dots just start to connect. You're like, oh, praise the Lord. And it will produce an excitement in your heart. Man, people that are excited about things talk about things. And this is, let me just put it, put it where the rubber meets the road. This is why I have a sense that we could all do a little bit better. Because when we're excited about it, we'll talk about it. There's a particular friend that I have. He's a preacher. And I don't think I've talked to him one time on the phone for any length of time where he hasn't brought something up about what he's been studying. Hey, let me share this really quick before we get off. 
And every time I get off the phone with him, I'm a little, I'm, I'm convicted. It's like, you're a worthless joke. Because I could do better. I want to do better, and I think we all do want to do better. So hopefully these practical tips will help us to take a little bit, I don't know, a better step towards this. But it starts with the consistency. And so if you get nothing else from tonight, nothing else, get consistent in it. Get consistent in the Word of God studying it, all right? Let's bow our heads in prayer tonight. Father, we do thank you for this evening. We thank you for the time we've had in your Word. Lord, we thank you for even the simple truth that we can learn right off the bat as we look at these goat hair curtains and how that points to you, Lord. Thank you for your shed blood that is the covering for our sin, the perfect covering, not one that has to be repeated. Lord, it's such an amazing thing, and to think about your anguish on that cross is God turned his back on you. Lord, thank you for your great love. Lord, I pray that we would desire to know your word, that we would dig in a little bit deeper in our Bible study. Lord, I pray that you'd be with our church and that we would have a fire that burns deep within us to get to know you deeper, to know more of you, to get to the attitude of Jeremiah. Your words were found and I did eat them and they became the joy of our lives. Lord, I pray that you would continue to bless Community Baptist Temple as we seek to grow closer to you. If you would go ahead and stand with me this evening as the piano begins to play, if the Lord spoke to your heart,